Hello everyone, this is China Paradigm, where we, Dashi Consulting, interview seasoned entrepreneurs in China. Hello everyone, I'm Matthew David, the founder of Dashi Consulting, a strategic market research company based in Beijing, Shanghai, and Hong Kong, and this podcast, China Paradigm. And today, I'm with Daphne Town. Um, I've known you for two years because we are part of the same accelerator program in EO, Entrepreneur Organization. And you have started two businesses, Webshop in China and Chaolin. Both are linked to the big topic of China, which is e-commerce. E-commerce has become so big, um, much bigger than any other country compared to the other side of the, of the business, which is purely retail, offline retail. So web shop in China is helping China, foreign companies to go in and explore and sell in um, the Chinese market online on e-commerce. Charlie is an insights uh, SaaS, uh, soft, uh, SaaS um, offer, uh, software as a service to provide insights on social media uh, sales, online sales for mainly um, those foreign businesses to understand better the Chinese uh, ecosystem and the Chinese uh, online sales. Thanks, Daphne, for being with us. And the first question, as we always ask, is about where do you, um, where are you in your development right now um, in terms of uh, clients in terms of size of the team, etc. Sure. Well, thank you first of all for having me. Um, so yeah, as you said, uh, we uh, we have two businesses. Uh, we started with webshop in China, uh, which is more like a service uh, e-commerce service provider, uh, and now we're pivoting more into our uh, yeah data analytics and software tool. Uh, so also in terms of the development, it's exciting times because uh, we have our, our current TP business uh, and also building up the new, more tech-related business. Um, so yeah, we have a team right now of 15 people uh, and uh, we have offices both in Shanghai and in the Netherlands. Um, I guess we have helped over 30 companies uh, with different well questions related to e-commerce, uh, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, there's a big overlap between the clients of both companies. Um, does that answer your question? Yes, thank you very much. So for people who listen to us, I believe most of, of them know about TP, but TP means Taobao partner or Tmall partner. I feel like it could be better to translate in Tmall partner because for Taobao, you don't need really help to, to open the Taobao, but it's more for Tmall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So TPs, well, I mean, Alibaba named it indeed Tmall partner or Taobao partner, but overall it is, we use it more as a third party or third partner uh, because of course Alibaba is the biggest platform, uh, but we actually also run and, and, and uh, we set up and run stores on Jingdong or uh, WeChat nowadays is also used quite often for cross-border e-commerce. Uh, so we don't only focus on one, uh, but yeah, several platforms. I'd like to go back at the start. Um, you started, um, you start in China. Uh, you started a shop on Jingdong selling uh, baby products or mother care products. And that's when you realize that actually when you start a shop online, you need help. 
you need a lot of work. It requires a lot of work and you need um, to have someone localized in China. Could you tell us more about this first experience, very hands-on um, in the Chinese market? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, when it was first announced that Western brands could enter the Chinese market without a business license, uh, without a bank account here, uh, so that means it would be easier to sell to Chinese consumers. Uh, we realized that that would bring a lot of opportunities, uh, not only for the very big players already active in China, but also perhaps for some medium-sized brands. Uh, and so when we, when we started WebShop in China, there weren't any success cases yet. We were the very first company uh, in the Netherlands also to, to focus on China e-commerce. Uh, so that's when we decided that we needed to get first-hand experience. Uh, we started the Daphne Holland store simply because I look uh, the most Dutch uh, uh, from the team. Uh, and back in the days, there was a, uh, it was a very big demand uh, for a Dutch baby milk formula or baby milk powder. Um, so yeah, we decided let's do this from the beginning uh, and let's make it a success and, and see what is needed. Uh, so, well, soon we found out that it's really, uh, well, it, it's not that easy to enter the market. Uh, there's still a lot of things like the application procedure in Chinese. Uh, and of course, it's, it's important to understand the Chinese consumer uh, and to really see, well, what is the type of products that they like? Uh, so in our case, for instance, our bestseller turned out to be goat milk powder. Um, uh, and so uh, uh, a baby milk powder. Uh, so that was our best-selling item. And well, step-by-step, step, we then understood uh, what's the customer support like. Uh, for instance, Jing Dongdong, like the, the, the live chat program. How do you set up campaigns? How do you maximize your return on investment? So yeah, really hands-on experience, I would say. I see. When was it? 2013? Oh, when, when, when was this? Uh, we started in it's, uh, 2005, uh, 15. Uh, with, 2015, uh, the, the, okay. Yeah, yeah. I see. For people listening to us as well, to make sure that uh, we are on the same, um, same page, um, you are mentioning actually the possibility to do cross-border e-commerce. That has had opened roughly at that time, 14, 15, where uh, Tmall was opening uh, Tmall Guoji and Tmall Global, and Jingdong was also making a possible to sell in China without a business in China from wherever you are in the world and shipping cross-border, which actually was very surprising to me that it was so easy uh, to, to actually sell in China without having to comply to the regulations and so on, um, mm -hmm. because it's already sold in, in the West, so they were considering that it was uh, good enough so you could sell in China. C could you share about um, how you manage this business? Um, you manage it from Europe? Where, how, how, how did you do? Um, so, uh, yeah, well, like you said, it, it, it was also quite surprising to me, but, and it was a, a, an interesting opportunity for many brands uh, if, you know, they were active uh, overseas, that they could then also sell to China without, for instance, having their product certified or animal testing or, or, or what, whatsoever, right? Uh, and, uh, and so, you, well, you have a few options. So, I mean, how our company uh, uh, has, has the setup is that we have our team in China uh, running the stores, right? So setting up the store and, and running the store in terms of uh, customer support. Uh, right, you need to be locally on the ground with the time difference and, and everything. So we have the team here 
being responsible for the customer support, uh, for the marketing campaigns, uh, for also liaising with the people either from Alibaba or Jingdong. Uh, so, so discussing with the platforms to join promotions. Um, but indeed for the, for the brand owners, they actually do not have to have a physical presence here. If they work with a partner, uh, who, who runs the store, then, then they don't need to have a team here. Uh, they need to make sure that they have uh, the supply arranged, right? That the products, uh, that they have access to the products, and that indeed the shipment is arranged. Uh, and you can ship from overseas, uh, as you said. So you can either use your stock in your home country, uh, or you know, at some point, uh, you can also move your stock to, for instance, Hong Kong, or to a bonded warehouse in China, meaning that the products are closer to the, to the consumers and the delivery time is a little shorter. But for instance, if you want to ship from Europe to the consumer, uh, that can already be done in seven to 10 days, door to door. Wow. Uh, so that's pretty fast. Yeah, yes, it's, it uh, it's amazing. <laughs> I see. There are so many questions I have about it. Is it still relevant now to, to talk about it or is that it has changed too much? Mm, I, well, I, I would say what we see that uh, Timo Global, Qingdong Worldwide, you know, those cross-border platforms uh, were a, always a good stepping stone to the Chinese market, right? Uh, and so it's a good way to enter. Uh, however, you see, if, you know, if brands are really serious about the Chinese market, they also want to be able to, for instance, be offline in stores or to have like B2B arrangements. Uh, and in that case, uh, you know, we, we do recommend that then the next step would be have your business license here in China uh, and, uh, and have a more local operations. But it's a, the cross-border is a great way to start. So if I summarize, um, you can open without a license um, a shop on Jingdong, Tmall, um, Kaola maybe, or other, other, other platforms. And uh, the logistics uh, is provided by the platform or you have to find on, on your own? Could, could, could you help to understand what you have to do to open the shop and to operate a cross-border e-commerce shop? Yeah, sure. So, so there's, a, uh, there's a few things. So on the one hand, it's the whole application procedure with the platform, right? Uh, they, they do look at the brands and see whether the brand is viable for the, for the Chinese market and, uh, and, and how successful and the brand already is in the home market. Uh, so there is a bit of, you know, the application procedure, there's a bit of selection uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and then uh, indeed the logistics, uh, is is uh, off, uh, offered by the platforms. Uh, so Jingdong has their logistics network, Tmall has Chinyao, uh, and they also help you with your uh, shipment from overseas, right? Uh, and it's easy because it's similar to Amazon. You can put your stock with them uh, and the order fulfillment and everything is arranged automatically. So you don't have to worry about that. I see you're mentioning like FBA, fulfilled by Amazon, where you put your product in the Amazon warehouse and they ship for you. So it's the same for Alibaba and Jingdong. Does it mean that you have to send them the product first, store in their, in their warehouse in Europe, and then they will ship to you, to, to, to the customers in, um, in, in China? Yeah, so it's not mandatory, but it is an option. Yeah, so you can decide. We also have clients who prefer, uh, you know, especially with, uh, rare, you know, high value products. Mm. Uh, they're not always too keen to put stock uh, in different places. Simply, it's, it's, it's expensive, right? To put stock everywhere. 
so some of our clients also prefer to keep the stock in their own warehouse and once uh, you know with, with all the orders coming in they then send it to uh Yao or to Jingdong Logistics and and they take care of the whole logistics uh but then you can still use your own warehouse you can do both I see Okay. Uh, what about the cost of doing that, of uh, opening a shop or, or um, managing it? Uh, what are the, the, the costs um, that the, the platforms are asking for? And uh, what is the typical model you charge? Yeah, so the cost really depends on the platform. Um, so that's why also, you know, we say we're not on, only linked to Alibaba, but also to the different platforms uh, uh, because the right platform depends on a few things. Uh, so it depends. Part of it is, is how much investment indeed, how much money and resources would you have available, uh, but also what kind of products are you selling? Uh, what is your target customer and where is that target customer active? Uh, and uh, uh, so we would really do an analysis first to see what is the best, uh, the platform that, that best suits your profile. Um, so uh, the platforms always charge a deposit uh, and that deposit for the cross-border platforms is anywhere between 15,000 and 25,000 USD. Uh, and that is a deposit. And so if you were ever to close your store, you would get it back, but it, it's still cash. Uh, and they charge a yearly fee uh, to be able to uh, to make use, you know, of the the, the IT system and, and and all the techniques behind it. Uh, and they would also charge a commission on sales, uh, which depends on the product category, uh, but normally is anywhere between two and a half and and five percent uh, commission of sales. Right. So that is what the platforms charge, and 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 you always own your store. So the the contract the agreement would be directly with the platform you have the ownership as the brand uh, and then the tps the agencies helping you like us uh, uh, that business model is always fixed and variable uh, so you pay a fixed amount uh, uh, to cover the cost but also to make sure that it's a win-win uh, that everyone's uh, uh, you know making sure that, that we make the best uh, and, and get uh, profit and, and revenue in so there's also a, a, a small commission on sales there as well. I see. What about the logistics? Um, I know that FBA is charging for um, the, the, the warehouse, how long it stays, and if it stays too long, it will, they will charge more, for instance. And they have, um, they have then a, a pricing depending on the, the size and the weight of the product. What about the logistics? Do you have some uh, directions to give to your audience about the cost of logistics to work with Alibaba or Jingdong? Wow, yeah, that, but the, I, indeed, like you said, that so that very much depends on how fast the turnover of your products is. So the stock, uh, indeed, from our experience, it becomes quite costly if your products don't sell, uh, especially if there's a bit if they're a bit bulky, because yeah, the warehouse is is also is based on on the space that you take up. Um, so I, I would say in that sense, also the forecasting is, is important. Uh, and then uh, uh, indeed like the logistics fee in itself is based also on, on, the, on the volume. Um, let's say for instance, um, uh, three cans of baby milk powder 
uh, would be anywhere between 10 and 13 euros. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm using different currencies here. Uh, sure, but what sure. would that, that's like no, 100 no currency. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay, okay. Uh, 10, 10, yeah. 10, 13 euros for three cans of yeah. uh, infant formula, which is like um, something like uh, three kilograms, 2.5? Um, yeah, could be. Yeah, depends. Yeah. Yeah, well, it depends Three on the kilograms, kind of packaging. But so, yeah. okay, so it, it, if, if it, it could be like five to six euros per kilogram, something like this, isn't it? It could add up. Yeah, well, there's always, it, it's not easy to calculate it like this because there's always your, your fixed portion and your variable portion, right? So you always have your starting rate and then per kilogram it adds up. Um, but yeah. So does it mean that for cross-border e-commerce, you would actually favor uh, clients who, who's actually the, the, whose product uh, value is higher and the weight is lower, so it actually can easily be shipped to China? Absolutely, yeah. So what we see, so logistics, let me stress that out, is extremely important for the success of your cross-border e-commerce store. So the platforms, also in terms of your store rating, look at your, your logistics, right? Your store uh, rating is based on three items. It's uh, your customer support. It's how well your products look like, you know, that the actual products are uh, in line with the images uh, and your product pages. And the third part is logistics. Uh, and so if there's uh, complaints about your logistics that severely impacts your store rating, even to the point that you're no longer allowed to join promotions, right? So we always sit down with our, our customers and explain to them, especially if they decide to, to arrange it themselves, we explain how important it is that there's good logistics, uh, that, it's, that the parcels are not stuck at customs and so on. Um, but also, indeed, logistics turns out to be, have a heavy weight on the profit margin. Uh, and the calculation we just, we just shown, so indeed uh we always aim to have a higher basket value uh, so uh and for instance we offer free logistics to the uh, uh chinese customers above a certain order value so you always want to make sure that yeah you 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 get the highest order value the basket value uh which is better for your for your logistics uh or for your profit margin overall I see. Uh, how do people, how do Chinese react to the international sales? I remember talking with the funders, uh, the managers, the managing and nearly funders of uh, Glamour Sales, uh, May.com. And it was like four years after they started or three or four years after they started. And they told me they had to change their model because Chinese did not want to wait for their product. Usually you wait for the product when it's a flash sales, you may wait like one month. But Chinese didn't want to wait, so they had to uh, create a warehouse to stock the, the products and to ship very quickly, which was impacting on the cash flow and so on. There was a big discussion of this. But the, the thing, how do you Chinese react to the fact that they have to wait, they don't really know uh, the person behind the shop, they don't know the company behind the shop, maybe, um, and it's so far away. And they, if, if there is a problem on the product, they may not uh, be able to 
ask any authority to 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 do anything. I I, I we saw one of your posts uh, on LinkedIn. You said that there was many many customer complaints in China for the first half of 2019. So the Chinese customers are demanding, are active. How do they react to cross-border e-commerce wave? You have to wait a longer time and you don't know who is behind it. Yeah, well, that's a very good question. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think is there, there's no country where there's faster delivery than China, right? Normally, if you buy something from local Taobao or Jima or Jingdong, uh, even your groceries can be delivered within 30 minutes here in China. So speed, uh, they're very used to it. Uh, so indeed, waiting a longer, ter a longer time for a parcel to arrive, um, yeah, they, they might just not like that, right? Uh, so I guess there's a few things. So first of all, it starts with education. So telling them, informing them, right? So communicate with them. Uh, clearly on the product pages that that's the delivery time but also explain them why the delivery time is a little bit longer because they're authentic products from a certain country uh, and then it, it, so I, I, it's important to communicate that first uh, and I would also say in terms of well they, they don't know who's behind the shop uh, the Chinese consumers they, they do trust the platforms in their thorough screening and selection, right? So the moment you want to join one of the, the big platforms, they will always have you show your uh, trademark registrations, your business license, or your purchase documents, um, uh, your license agreements. Uh, so they, they, they do a really thorough screening to make absolutely sure that the shop owners are, you know, like it's a legitimate business with authentic products. Um, and of course, uh, uh, as you know, Chinese consumers, they always also look at the uh, reviews, right? Uh, 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 yeah, they, there's a lot of reviews that you can find in the online stores where the, where the previous customers will share their experiences. And that also helps a lot uh, in selling. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that um, indeed those platforms can check documents which are from foreign countries. Uh, because the experience I had with uh, Alibaba, they opened a, a French shop, I'm French, and in this French shop, actually, many players were not French at all. So the ability to check, uh, I, felt, I, I felt was a bit challenged by the fact they are not even able to see if a company is uh, French or not. But actually, uh, I feel that what's happening is that the consumer is helping the platform to um, to check the product in itself, not only not only the platform. Do, do you agree with this view? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Indeed, uh, you know, with all the countries and all the different documents that we have, how, how can the platforms check if all the documents are in place? I think there there's a few trends. Well, firstly, what you said is indeed the consumer will help the platform check. Uh, you know, I, I, we have many cases. I remember once with the, for instance, the baby milk formula that the uh, producer changed the um, ingredients with 0 0.1 uh, gram. Uh, so like a very, very minor change. Uh, but because on the product pages, you always have a lot of detailed pictures. And one of the detailed pictures showed the recipe. And then when the customer actually received the, the product, uh, she noticed the difference of 0 0.1 gram, took a picture, 
informed the platform, was wondering whether it was actually an authentic product. Uh, so, uh, and same for fashion, where one of our clients changed their label inside. Uh, and even then it was challenged whether the products were authentic, yes or no. Uh, so yes, the customers is, is definitely helping uh, the platform with checking whether the, whether the, whether the products are real. And that's one thing. I think also a general trend, what we see is that um, the platforms more and more prefer brand owners instead of retailers, right? So with a, a retailer, there's, there, yeah, there's, a, there's a layer in between. And so it's more difficult for the platforms to check whether the products are, you know, are actually the real brands. Uh, and so you do see a minor preference now more for the original brand and brand owner, uh, uh, brand owned flagship store compared to retailers. Interesting. You are using two words in your presentation and on your communication. I like, um, I would like to get more explanation on. The first one is pre-sales. You say pre-sales is very important. And um, I, I, I like to understand more about what you, what you, what, what you put on behind this word. Second thing is growth hacking. You mentioned growth hacking several times in your presentation, and um, I'd like to, to get some ideas of what could be a growth hack in China uh, on e-commerce. Sure. Um, well, let's start with the, the, the pre-sales question. So basically, yeah, pre-sales is the communication before the customer actually buys the product, the actual sales. So what we see is that uh, in China, compared with, I'm originally from Holland, where customer services, you write an email, you have to wait for 24 or sometimes even 48 hours uh, before you get a response. Uh, uh, but customer service in China is really fast, right? It's all live chat programs. Uh, and the, uh, uh, the Chinese consumer, they, they expect they respond very fast. But there's also more often that they ask question compared to what we're used to in Europe. Um, so that can be uh, questions related to the logistics, related to the, uh, uh, yeah, to the, to the brands, to the products. We, we find that more cases compared to e-commerce in Europe, people will have a question. And the moment they reach out to you, it's also, of course, the moment that you can engage, can interact, uh, and can see whether you can also sell more products, right? So try to upsell or cross-sell um, so that's why we say pre-sales, uh, especially, I guess, also with cross-border e-commerce where um, in the beginning with a new store, when there's not that many reviews yet, it's also a bit to persuade the client to buy the product. Uh, and sometimes they would even, sorry? Yeah, may, may I jump in? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> what, you, what you are saying pre-sales is... The description of the product is considered as pre-sales because you describe it and so on. Then you would add the live chat. Alibaba, Antimo, Taobao is um, making it compulsory uh, to have a live chat if, I, if my memory is correct, if it's still the case. And I think yeah. Jingdong is the same. Does it mean that um, you, you need someone full-time actually to, um, to be available all the time at night and day to answer questions of the client lively? Does it mean they would accept Chinese clients to actually get an answer within 24 hours? And finally, does it mean that chatbots 
as a, have a bright future in China because uh, so many things go through live chat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that is definitely what you see more and more now uh, and what the platforms would also offer is indeed a chat bot uh, because there's not that many brands who actually have a customer service agent available 24-7. Um, what we see from research uh, also is that there's three peak moments where Chinese consumers buy their products. Uh, one is during lunch. The second one is just before they finish work, uh, uh, so while they're still in the office. Uh, and the third peak is before they go to, to sleep, before they go to bed. So you at least want to make sure that those three peak moments are covered by, by an actual human. Uh, I mean, of course, chatbots are getting more and more advanced. So that is definitely a good, how to say, first response or, or first reply. Uh, but then, you know, at some point, uh, 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 real people uh, should take over also depending on the type of question. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is important to have to have someone there and, and, and Chinese consumers are, are definitely not willing to wait for 24 or 48 hours. Uh, though, I mean, the, the, the platform, for instance, if you file a complaint or if you uh, like to return a product, the platform does... Uh, allow you to have like 24 or 48 hours to respond. Uh, but yeah, good customer support means fast response time in China. So if we say the description of the product and the live chat, um, are we, have, do we have most of the pre-sales efforts or do, are we missing something? I would say a very detailed product description, uh, including your logistics, your return policy. Uh, so yeah, the, 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 the most questions are related to that. Uh, and then you have your customer support, and yeah, that's a uh, it's that's a good start. <laughs> Interesting. So, don't, do, now talking about growth hacking, uh, I yeah. believe in pre-sales uh, and to connect pre-sales to growth hacking. I believe that uh, you also use coupon uh, to actually engage with a, with um, with a customers or the leads or the, the potential clients. Coupons have been in China a major driver for traffic, for conversion, um, and to engage with clients. What kind of growth hacking tactics have you found in China? Yeah, so, well, again, for, for the people who haven't heard of, of growth hacking uh, yet, uh, but yeah, so growth hacking basically means data driven mini experiments. So we as an agency, we, we always focus on, on data, right? We want to have uh, uh, insights based on data and see what works and what doesn't work. Uh, and you can use this in, in, in many different ways. Uh, so a very uh, well-known example, for instance, is A-B testing, uh, is to have you know, like different banners or different product pages and see uh, which visuals or which images work better. Um, so that would be, uh, that would be one. Um, we use, for instance, growth hacking uh, uh, for several clients now to understand the needs of the Chinese consumer better when they're developing products. Um, so, for instance, for a very uh, a big electronics uh, company from the Netherlands, they want to launch a new product. Uh, and instead of spending a lot of money and resources and time on fully developing the product, uh, they will ask our help and, and we use our online stores and, and we set up, you know, like paid traffic campaigns to see 
what does the Chinese consumer prefer, right? Which products, which products would they prefer? Which packaging do they like better? Uh, which unique selling points should be stressed out? Um, so you can get a lot of data from these, uh, from these experiments. Uh, and, and pricing, like you mentioned, coupons, price discount, that is definitely a way also for, for growth hacking to see, well, what works better? When, when do we have higher sales, right? Is that, is that with coupons? Uh, is it with bundled sales or other discounts? So yeah, there's, there's endless opportunities and possibilities to do digital experiments. I see. So basically, you, 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 you base your growth hacks on testing and you, you, you very much link it to A-B testing, testing campaign, testing different features on products, uh, driving traffic to see how Chinese clients would react. And based on that, you could define a tactic and, 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 um, and, and the strategy. That's what you are saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the, yeah, the whole idea is to run the experiments, to do testing in a smaller setting, uh, because we know it, it's very easy to lose a lot of money, right? Especially also in e-commerce, if you set up a wrong keyword campaign, for instance, which is defined too broadly, it's easy to just lose a lot of money with, well, and, and with losing, I mean, a very low ROI, right? Uh, and so that's why we always look at, well, how can we uh, maximize the return on investment? How can we grow the revenue? Uh, and you first test that in a small environment, for instance, testing it with one product or on one product page. Uh, and then if you see that it works, we can then scale it up to the entire store. Um, so, uh, and it, it just starts with a lot of brainstorming, a lot of, uh, you know, sometimes crazy ideas. Uh, uh, but yeah, there, there, there is no way that you can fail. There's only one way to find out that's actually do it in a small setting and see whether it works, yes or no. You mentioned data several times, and that I feel it's a perfect transition to the pivot you have um, creating uh, recently, uh, beginning of the year. You have started a purely insights uh, company, a SaaS, so services of software called Charlie. Would you mind describing what it is and what we can get from Charlie? Yeah, sure. So, so uh, because we, we used to uh, focus on the TP business, right, on, on, the, on e-commerce, on running e-commerce. Uh, but what we see in the market is that, especially in China, where e-commerce is such a huge part of, of a company's revenue, that more and more companies are taking it in-house also. They want to learn themselves uh, and they want to uh, be able to manage the store. Uh, instead of outsourcing that to a third party. Uh, and also in terms, of course, of the, the industry business model with fixed and variable, at some point when the, when the store or the brand is doing very well, it is cheaper actually for them to take it in-house so they don't have to pay the commission to their TP. So all in all, also what we saw, you know, things are happening in the industry uh, and we looked at what we were really good at. And that has always been our focus on data uh, and, and we also realized that there's so much data out there. Uh, in China, you have your team on backend, you have a lot of data providers. So data is everywhere, uh, but not every team also has the resources or the capacity to analyze that data uh, and to learn from it, make adjust adjustments accordingly. Uh, and we saw that also the, the, the part of benchmarking, looking at the markets 
understanding. A lot of people told us China's like a black box to us, right? We, we no idea what is a good revenue, what, what should be the sales targets. Uh, it, it's very difficult, especially in the beginning. So in that sense, it's good to look at your competitors, see how long they've been active, uh, what are their best-selling items, and to learn from that. Um, so yeah, that's why we created Chowley. Uh, so we developed a software tool, uh, which we, what we say, well, it's insights as a service. Uh, so on the one hand, you can get the, the data in a, in a nicely organized way uh, uh, to see, well, you can track your performance, but also benchmark it. And, and in the end, ultimately, it's about improving your performance uh, on platforms like Tmall, uh, WeChat, uh, and Weibo are the, are the main ones. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're about to launch the, the first version, so which we're very excited about. One of the first interviews um, I run was with Thomas Gradiani from Walk the Chat, and it was at a time when he was actually switching from um, agency to a software company, developing a, a, a software to sell uh, products um, on WeChat uh, for cross-border e-commerce. And it shared how difficult it was to move from a service company to a product company, a software. Do, do you have um, the same feeling of pain to, to, to switch from um, a model where your clients are paying sizable amount of money every month to actually pay your staff, pay, pay your campaign and so on, to actually much smaller amount of engagement, but monthly engagement and actually something which is scalable so the future is brighter, but the beginning may be hard. Would you mind sharing a little bit about the transition? Yeah, absolutely. The transition is, 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 is definitely hard. Yeah, um, I can be honest about that because, I mean, on the one hand, you have your current business, your current team, uh, your current clients who you still want to keep satisfied and you, you, you still want to do a great job in, in, in helping them become successful in China. Uh, and then while at the same time, also basically setting up a new startup, uh, which is then also in terms of finances, it's being financed by the current business, right? Uh, because we, we, we at the moment don't have uh, external investment yet. Uh, uh, so it's all bootstrapped. Uh, and so I guess the, the, the hardest thing about the transition is that you would need a new team uh, because you simply need different talents, uh, different skilled uh, people in terms of developers, product owner uh, and so setting up that new team uh, and uh, uh, yeah really also keeping your focus I guess as an entrepreneur uh, yeah we, we're already multi multitasking uh, uh, with one business let alone if you uh, uh, if you also set up your your, your new uh, uh, business venture so yeah challenging uh, or yeah hard, difficult times uh, but we do believe that it's the right path considering the trends that we see in e-commerce and you know this is the the, the 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 insights as a service tool that we're developing is based on conversations with hundreds of managers uh, e-commerce managers in the you know from our tp business so we had that experience and we believe that we're we're going to create more value with what with Chowley what we're launching right now. That, that's the thing. There are so many softwares in the West which are helping us to understand uh, the market. You have SimilarWeb, you have Moz, you have uh, Google Analytics, which is very powerful. You have Google AdWords, which is a very powerful and what people are looking for. But in China, there are so little. 
And actually, I feel there is a lot to do in this industry uh, of softwares to provide insight on the market. Talking about the development of your software, how did you develop a software where actually you, you didn't have this background of developing a software? You were a service company managing e-commerce shops. So working with the technology of others and understanding it, managing it, but not developing your own technology. How have you organized the, the switch? Have you hired a developer internally? Do you have work with an agency? Um, do you, have you learned coding yourself? Um, well, yes, good question again. So we, we, we were fortunate enough to, uh, you know, have like acquaintances and, and, and friends uh, who have a, a PhD in computer science, have a lot of developing experience, also fellow entrepreneurs, because uh, we have a big network of, of other entrepreneurs who, who develop their own software. So it starts with the idea, right? It starts about, okay, well, if we see this, this, this future and this value in, in, in the insights as a service and, and the software tool, uh, how would that product look like? So a lot of brainstorming and a lot of talking with other people. Uh, and then luckily, you know, the whole framework, the whole foundation uh, was with a very good starting team so that we build it future-proof, that we can add modules, we can take out modules without Chowley collapsing. Uh, so I guess it starts with really understanding that you have your basics in terms of your server and your database setup and all of that. Um, and then we found the, um, uh, how to say, the developers needed for the specific tasks and the specific functionalities. Uh, and we hired them in-house. Because, uh, uh, yeah, we, we believe that, uh, well, you could work with an, with an agency, but in our case, we really wanted to be closely in the development. Uh, also, yeah, because we, we kind of, we, we as the product owner, now we know the, the functionalities and, 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 the, and the value that we want to want to create. So frequent interaction, just be able to sit next to each other, uh, look at what has been developed and improvements. Uh, that, that's the choice then that we made. So in-house team. Understood. Yeah, that's a, that's a big choice because learning how to manage developers is a, is a, there is a learning curve to that, and it's not something you can learn very very quickly instantly. Absolutely, and it's and it's as an entrepreneur. I mean, I I have been the product owner also with you know webshop in China. We worked with, uh, for instance, other agencies. Then also we created apps and and so on. So, as much as I've been involved in the process. That was only more on, on, on the product side and, 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 and definitely not on the development side. Uh, I, I wish it's, it's I see. besides besides studying Chinese, studying Python is definitely on my uh, on my wish list. Uh, but yeah, so it's 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 difficult where you sometimes don't speak the same language, right? Uh, uh, so I, I feel like a toddler explaining it very simply to the developers, and then they need to make sense out of it and see how they should actually code and develop it. So that it's aligned. Yeah, that's, uh, it, it, it sometimes were a bit uh, a complicated conversations. <laughs> About the, the, the service that Charlie is providing. So as far as I understand, it's a place where you can aggregate your information on your own social media and your own shop performance. That's one thing. I understand as well that you are making it possible to compare with the competition as well. 
for social media, I, I understand you can follow the, 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 num the, the followers on Weibo, you can get the number of followers on Weibo and so on. I think it's a bit more difficult on WeChat, but I, li I like to have your, your view on this. What about the, the sales of competitors? How do you get the sales of competitors? You can get some ideas of the best sellers on Tmall, Taobao, because you see the number of sales, but can you, can you get more? What can you get from Jingdong, from other platforms, for Xiaongshu? So what can you provide uh, with the platform? Yep, so, uh, well, uh, uh, as, you, as you know, but um, uh, in China, so the, the whole reason why there, for instance, is not such a thing as Google Analytics, uh, or, or you know the, big, the the other big ones that you mentioned is that there's they're all very closed ecosystems in China, uh, and so there's it's not easy also to follow, for instance, the customers' path across the different uh, uh, ecosystems. Um, so, for instance, when a user or a consumer finds out about your brand because someone shared something on WeChat, uh, you know, because Tencent and Alibaba do not collaborate. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's actually not even possible, right, to jump into a Taobao or Tmall store. So in terms of this whole traffic and, and the whole customer journey, uh, it, it's a little bit more complicated in China. Um, so, so what we do is and for, indeed, uh, uh, the clients, uh, we would get their, their login details. So we see, uh, we can also help them uh, in terms of uh, ROI, in terms of campaign optimization uh, with keyword bidding, uh, so that would be more also on the marketing and campaign level um, for uh, competitors. Uh, that is then entirely based on publicly available data. Um, but that's also data that, for instance, email um, shows you the sales in the last 30 days, uh, but it's impossible to go back and to see, uh, you know, if that was the, the 1st of December and you see a very high sales because of Singles Day, you can't go back in time and see what was the actual I prices see. charged or what was the campaign. So we keep track of all that. So uh, uh, the price levels, uh, the effects on, on sales, uh, the best-selling items, uh, but also a part of it is like social listening to see what do people mention in the reviews about a product. Uh, is it indeed related to logistics or are they very enthusiastic about the pink color toothbrush? Uh, and should you perhaps add pink to your product range? So there's there's a lot of information that we can find from the from, from the uh, yeah publicly available data. So you say that you cannot go back in time on, on the data, but that's the beauty actually of your software, commercially speaking, because once I'm tracking something. Um, I cannot leave your software because I want to keep the data. Otherwise, I would not be able to get it back. Uh, I hope so. You mean that you're, you're that you're otherwise you're not able to look back in time? Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, for the competition, at least I I, I yeah. believe yeah, yeah, that yeah, for yeah, yourself exactly, you can. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that is a uh, we believe that that is a great a great value, and it it is as of the moment that you start tracking. Uh, with Weibo and with WeChat, when, it, when we look at performance, that's more related to engagement. Uh, 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 Parklu is you know, the one, uh, the, the, the most well-known, how to say, KOL uh, a tool out there, and they also formulated the, the, the formulas for engagement. Uh, and so with, with the social media, you can look back in time in which articles, for instance, have the highest engagement. Uh, uh, with Tima, that's a little bit more uh, difficult to look back in time. Um, 
we have 10 questions to, to hand the interview. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's, uh, we may not go through all of them, uh, but the ones you, you want to, you feel comfortable to answer. First one is what books inspired you most in your entrepreneur journey? Yeah, there's so many of them. I, I, I love the business books, but uh, I thought about this question and, and I think there's two of them, uh, which are quite interesting. Uh, one of them is called uh, Miracle Morning. Uh, it's more related to, uh, to a lifestyle. Uh, have you heard of the book? No, I'm, I, I haven't. Okay, all right. So um, uh, the whole idea about a miracle morning is that you wake up one hour early. Uh, so for instance, instead of waking up at 7.30, it's going to be 6.30. Uh, but in that one hour uh, is the time for personal growth, personal development, and also to get you ready to prepare you for the entire day. Uh, and uh, I, I guess, especially as an entrepreneur, as you know as well, you're super busy. Once your day starts, when you walk into the office, or perhaps earlier, you know, then then from that moment onwards, it's work, work, work. Uh, and uh, and so waking up for me that hour early, well, basically they suggest that you in one hour do things related to uh, meditation, uh, affirmation, uh, visualization. Uh, so how to picture, how you picture your life uh, and then have some time for exercise, reading uh, and writing. So, so these are the six elements uh, that even in one hour, uh, you could do all of those. Uh, and uh, it made a really big change in my life because indeed that one hour feels me time uh, and prepares me for the rest of the day. Interesting. Um, yeah. What do you read to stay up to date uh, on China? I feel as many foreigners have a hard time to understand China. They are looking for good sources, for um, good, um, yeah, uh, good uh, websites, good um, uh, channels to follow. Yeah. Um, well, de definitely a lot of blogs and newsletters. Uh, uh, obviously, Dashui uh, is, uh, is always very insightful. Uh, I like Jing Daily, uh, more related to fashion. Um, I, I, I mainly focus on anything related to digital marketing and to e-commerce, right? Uh, so also Alibaba has their own newsletter. Uh, Good morning, this is Daphne from Webshop in China and Chowley continuing with the questions at the end of the interview. Question, what book on China would you recommend? Answer. Well, actually, I have to be honest, I don't read that many books about China because I believe the moment it's published, uh, that's the moment when it's already kind of out of dated. Um, so, uh, yeah, I rather focus on uh, books uh, or sorry, Internet resources, blogs, newsletters uh, and so on to make sure that I really receive the latest information in my mailbox. Um, question, what productivity tool? do you like most? Answer. Um, in our office, we use Monday uh, and Monday is a project management tool and that really allows us uh, to have a clear overview of all the one-time projects but also the uh, ongoing work. Uh, we have a, a strict planning, deadline, you can see who's accountable, you can assign tasks. Uh, so that works very well, uh, especially because we have offices in Amsterdam and Shanghai. Uh, so we need to have a central place uh, where, uh, where where there's a clear overview in, instead of 
uh, well, all the emails sending to each other in the, in the email box. So we try to make sure that we don't send any emails internally. Question. If you had some extra time, what idea would you work on? Answer. Well, before we started Webshop in China and Chaudi, which is mainly focused on overseas businesses doing uh, business in China, um, we actually uh, had a company focused on Chinese companies who wanted to expand overseas. Um, so this is years ago, I would say like seven years ago, uh, where you already had uh, uh, Lenovo and Huawei. Those ones were the two most uh, famous examples. Uh, and we thought that more and more Chinese businesses would go overseas and in doing so they would also need uh, help in setting up uh, local websites or do marketing and, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so we started that business but it was a bit too innovative or too early uh, and at that time uh, China wasn't really a, a service economy uh, but we do see a shift in that. Uh, we also see that more and more more and more businesses are focusing on this but yeah perhaps we would investigate that again how to help chinese companies become successful overseas question um what's the most surprising experience you had so far in china um my answer i guess my most surprising experience is that uh i normally tend to have a really good memory but i forgot my pin code of my ATM card because literally in months I did not take out cash. Um, so yeah, especially when you know friends or family are visiting or, or people from, from abroad, they're surprised by the cashless society. Uh, but yeah, it's really true. You do not need cash. Everything is paid by QR codes and with your Alipay and WeChat Pay. Uh, so now I, uh, I still need to get a new code for my ATM card. Question: um, What have you done in the people that very in the past that very few people know about you? Wow, I guess in the past what I've done. Um, well, I guess it's a uh, so with our with our with our business, uh, you know, we want to make sure that uh, besides helping in companies. Uh, we also want to make the world uh, like a better place. We want to make sure that our employees are, are happy and healthy. Um, and uh, on a personal note, uh, in a time when I was still living in Amsterdam, uh, I also uh, wanted to devote my time uh, to hopefully bring some joy in someone else's uh, life. So uh, I signed up for volunteer work and every other Sunday uh, I baked pancakes for mentally disabled people which was great fun. Uh, they really became my friends and, uh, and I really love doing that because I'm a terrible cook, uh, but uh, pancakes I can make. <laughs> Question. What is interesting you most in China? Um, answer. For me, the most interesting thing in China is the speed, the high pace. It's the fact that that it's never the same, right? So if I go on a business trip and uh, or, or a holiday and I come back to Shanghai, there's just rest new restaurants popping up or new bars. Uh, uh, but also in, in our field, in the field of e-commerce, 
Um, there's new uh, things happening on, on Alibaba, new ways to promote your products, uh, new platforms even. Uh, so I guess the, the dynamics of it is what fascinates me most. Question. What unexpected success have you witnessed? Answer. I think the most unexpected recently that I've seen uh, is a platform called Tangdo. Um, they uh, focused on uh, middle-aged and elderly women who love dancing. And, and of course, we all see you know, the people uh, and, and the ladies outside dancing with each other. Uh, uh, so they already have 200 million users. Uh, and it's not only an, uh, an app where, uh, where you can see free dancing tutorials uh, and you can communicate with, and connect with other dancers. You can form groups. Uh, and it's also this good example where it's not only online but also offline because they, they organize uh, uh, 4,000 offline activities uh, every month. Um, and it's also a really interesting one for, uh, for marketeers, for instance. Uh, to have the, uh, their brands promoted uh, in this target, uh, target group. Question. What unexpected failure have you recently witnessed? Answer. Well, the most unexpected one, I guess for me, was still OVO. Uh, I remember when I first moved here, uh, about two and a half years ago, OVO was everywhere uh, i mean the yellow bikes you can't miss them uh, and uh, it seemed to be a, a pretty successful uh, business uh, you know there's, there's there's competitors entering the market uh, and i guess yeah it didn't end up well so uh, I, I guess i'm not the only one who uh, who did not get their deposit back uh, and um, yeah their uh, the, the, the yellow bikes uh, have disappeared from the streets. Uh, I wonder what they did with them. But um, yeah, so that would be the most unexpected failure. All right, well, thank you very much for having me in the show. Uh, I hope it was insightful uh, uh, for the business. Of course, people can reach out to me if they have any other questions. Uh, and thank you, Dashwe, for, uh, for, for setting this up. Uh, uh, you guys are really uh, uh, one of the, the sources that I go to to stay up to date. So, uh, so keep up the good work.